Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning, 7.30 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keene. It's kind of a gray day in New York, and that seems to be the mood in the markets today. Uh, S&P futures down 10 points still, half a percent. Uh, no great news out there on the horizon either. Pacific Sunwear filing for bankruptcy protection today, uh, just the latest of those youth-oriented clothing chains to falter, uh, lists liabilities of as much as $500 million, assets of only $100 million. EMC looking to sell its documentum business, part of a plan with Dell to divest more than $6 billion in assets. It's all part of the takeover there. After years of pursuit with three separately failed offers to buy the pesticide maker Syngenta, Monsanto says it no longer sees large-scale mergers and acquisitions as a strategy. And Valiant, apparently, is out there in the borrowing markets. It uh, is getting uh, permission for a credit line amendment. We don't have details on uh, what they want to do yet. Those headlines are just coming out, but we will keep you informed as we uh, get more details. They also extended the deadline for filing their 10K to May 31st. It was supposed to be filed, remember, last July 31st. Just this week, Valiant said they would file it by April 29th. So it may be uh, another extension. Now let's check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Mike, thank you very much. President Obama will head to the University of Chicago Law School to argue his case for why the Senate should nominate his pick for U.S. Supreme Court justice. A vote on Judge Mary Garland has been stalled by Republican Senate leaders who are refusing to hold Senate hearings while President Obama is in office. More corporations like General Electric and PepsiCo are calling on Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant to repeal a new state law that would allow government employees, religious groups, and private businesses to cite religious beliefs against same-sex marriage to deny services to people. A two-day conference opens today in Geneva that's billed as the first of its kind to tackle violent extremism. It's part of U.N. Secretary General Ban Ki-moon's efforts to address the root causes of terrorism. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Mike? Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. John Stashauer, the Houston Astros, will not go undefeated this year. Will go winless. They're now one and one. They were second in the major leagues in runs scored last season. They brought back the same lineup with one exception. Better second baseman and Starlin Castro two games in, batting 625. Seven runs batted in, four hits, drove home five, and the Yanks 16 to 6 route of Houston. Castro belting one of three home runs. Mark share and Carlos Beltran hit the others. Yanks and Astros end the series 4 o'clock today. Garden last night, Knicks beaten by the playoff-bound Hornets, 111-97. Kemba Walker scored 34 points. Nets fell at Washington, 121-103. Garden tonight, Rangers and Islanders. 80th Masters teeing off this morning at Augusta National. No Tiger Woods, but there is world number one Jason Day, defending champ Jordan Spieth, and Rory McIlroy seeking the only major he's yet to win. Coverage of the opening round, 4-15 today on Bloomberg 11-3-0. Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. I'm John Stashauer. 
Thank you, John. As uh, as we mentioned, uh, the markets are lower, and now, I don't know, right after that Valiant headline crossed, they uh, took a leg lower. Uh, the S&P futures now down by 11 points, six-tenths of a percent. Dow E-mini futures are off by 90 points right now, half a percent. We'll keep an eye out for uh, what happens in the futures markets as we go along here on Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg Worldwide. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Michael McKee with Tom Keen. Uh, you see some movement in the bond markets today with the 10-year note yield at 1.73%, the five-year 1.17, and uh, 72 basis points for your two-year. The whole yield curve moving lower, some feeling that uh, maybe the Fed on hold for a little bit longer, and some action in Europe with the German curve moving lower. The German two-year note now negative 50 basis points. Time now for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, investing more than $110 million a year in applied research to solve problems and improve life. Learn more at storiesofinnovation.njit.edu. Here is Bob Moon. Michael, here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Kelvin Teo, a 29-year-old Harvard Business School student, building a web-based peer-to-peer lending startup as part of his curriculum, pitched the project to a potential partner, DBS Group Holdings Limited, Southeast Asia's biggest bank. Omitting his student status, he emailed the proposal last October to Chief Executive Officer Payush Gupta out of the blue. At DBS's Singapore headquarters, the CEO received the message. Gupta had been seeking ways to harness the Internet to improve banking services and TO's venture funding societies might work. Three hours later, the executive sent his reply, interested. It's an illustration of how banks in Asia are eager to join with financial technology firms rather than get beat by them. In a global survey of financial services executives by PricewaterhouseCoopers, 95% of the bankers said part of their business might be lost to fintech companies. Google says it's developed technology to easily switch away from server chips made by Intel and is helping other companies do the same. It's a potentially worrying development for the dominant provider of processors that power data centers. Google says it's built software that lets it use open power chips from IBM. And drones might take us where eagles soar, and it seems that's precisely the problem. Pennsylvania's Game Commission has given unanimous preliminary approval to banning drones over 1.5 million acres of state game lands after reports the unmanned craft were flying near bald eagles' nests and drones were interfering with migrating waterfowl. A final vote scheduled in July. And that's this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Michael. Thank you very much, Bob Moon. I think John Tucker would agree that uh, quite often Tom Keene and I uh, note what is going on out there, and then everybody tells us we're wrong. We have no idea what we're talking about. Eh. <laughs> Part of what you do. And, and, and he's one of them. Um, but I feel a little bit better because Paul Hickey has the same problem. <laughs> he's with uh, the founder of Bespoke Investment Group, and you wrote at the beginning of the year, <laughs> if people ask you what's going to happen in the markets, you have you would have to tell them you have no idea. And it seems to be working out. You seem to be the smartest guy in the room by taking that position. Well, I mean, I think if there was ever a year to say in an outlook that you have no idea what's going to happen, 2016 has been the year. No one would have expected the downturn that we saw in the beginning of the first quarter. And even if you anticipated that, you certainly didn't anticipate the rebound that we had. We had a rebound. The, the decline in the rebound, by some measures, was the we haven't seen anything like that since the, the 1930s. Um, so that type of rebound is very rare. And I think, you know, that we have 
three things now focused with the market. The two biggest issues driving the day-to-day movements are crude oil and the FOMC. And then from a longer-term perspective and a backdrop, we have valuations which are above average and rich. But so in the beginning of the year, crude oil and the Fed were working against the market. Crude oil was falling. The Fed was – we were expecting hikes, um, you know, up to four rate hikes this year uh, by the Federal Reserve. Uh, now that's come down to, you know, we're not even sure where they're going to hike in June, uh, and oil has rebounded. So that's been very positive for the markets. And so as long as, I mean, the Fed is, has, in the minutes yesterday and Janet Yellen's speech last week, we are, you know, you know, she's telling telling the investors don't fight, don't fight the Fed. Where you know they keep sh- t- taking a dovish posture here. So that is um, you know for the market that that's a good thing. We'll see day to day movements like today weakness in the futures. But I, I think overall, is when you have oil continuing to trend higher and you have the Fed you know, taking an extremely dovish stance, that's good for equities. Um, it just makes me wonder, kind of, uh, if the average person can even compete in the markets these days. You go back to you know Warren Buffett, who goes back to Graham, and you know the idea, buy undervalued stocks and hold them. Uh, the pros aren't doing that it, it, anymore, it seems. And with the price of oil, I mean, uh, we haven't talked about it. It's unchanged today, 37.74 for West Texas, 39.85 for Brent. You know, in a range uh, where the Fed has interest rates at 25 basis points or 75 basis points, I mean, those are not things that are really going to significantly affect the valuation of the average company that you buy. Right. You know, I mean, again, so like what we're looking at here is we're focusing investors in the markets are focusing on Fed policies, central bankers. They're, they're like the new EF Huttons of Wall Street here where whatever they say, the markets uh, pounce on. Uh, we're not focusing on individual companies. And uh, if you were to focus more on individual companies, you do have a slight uh, issue here. Valuations are above average. They're not, I mean, at historical extremes by any stretch, but for the first time in this bull market that we've had since 2009, we're in a situation where it's hard to find a cheap company in the S&P 500. So, uh, you, you know, in, in any case, you would look to a smaller, you know, in the past, you'd look to smaller caps or, or mid, mid caps. Right. And smaller caps are having their one of their, I mean, they haven't been performing well either. One of, Like on a relative strength basis, it's one of the worst years that they've had to open a year relative to large caps. So it's a very, uh, you know, They've just been falling under a lot of pressure, and there's more energy exposure there uh, in, in the small caps, so that's one thing holding the entire sector down. But small caps led this market for much of the rally, uh, so it's only understandable that they're going to see some, you know, see some weakness here and, and, and catch up to things. All right. Well, let's continue uh, with Paul Hickey. We'll try to figure out something. Uh, that we can say definitively about 2016. We can't even say that the Red Sox are going to win the World Series now. We'll have to talk to Tom about that when they come back because, uh, John, they lost last night. <laughs> the streak continues. The streak continues. Starts. Oh, nothing changes. This is Bloomberg Surveillance on Bloomberg Radio. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch, committed to bringing higher finance to lower carbon, named the most innovative investment bank for climate change and sustainability by The Banker. That's the power of global connections. Bank of America, N.A., FDIC. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. 
And I'm Karen Moscow. Valiant Pharmaceuticals has one lender consent for a credit line amendment. Amendment terms restrict Valiant Pharmaceuticals' ability to make certain acquisitions and other investments and to pay dividends and other restricted payments until further until financial statements are filed and Valiant achieves certain leverage ratios. Conagra Foods reporting third quarter profit that beat analyst estimates. Its outlook for the year missed. CarMax's fourth quarter profit beat. U.S. stock index futures are lower. S&P E-mini futures down 12 points. Dow E-mini Mini futures down 85. Nasdaq Mini futures down 24. The DAX in Germany is down four tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury up seven thirty seconds. The yield 1.73 percent. Nymex crude oil down two tenths percent or six cents to 37.68 a barrel. Comex gold up 1.1 percent or 13 dollars 90 cents to 12.37.60 an ounce. The euro a dollar 13.80. The yen 108.46. And improving gender equality would add at least 2.1 trillion dollars to U.S. gross domestic product by 2025. Five, according to a McKinsey Global Institute study, a boost roughly the size of the Texas economy. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen Moscow, thank you very much. We are uh, talking uh, markets with an expert, Paul Hickey of uh, Bespoke Investment Group. He's uh, the, the founder and head of the organization. And uh, Tom, uh, Paul tells us he doesn't have any idea where the markets are going. <laughs> so we know we have found Diogenes Honest Man. Um, that's a red he, one there. Thank you, the red button. He has four daughters. <laughs> I mean, do we need to say anything else? No, no wonder he's confused. <laughs> we were talking about how um, this is. You think, you think the markets are volatile. Wait till, wait till I get home from work in the day. It's just nuts. Uh, uh, markets are relaxing. Yeah, Alexa. Um, <laughs> our, it, it, we were talking before the break about how this is not Benjamin Graham's market. Is it? Is it? I mean, have we gotten to the point where everybody's a day trader, where everything is kind of being driven on momentum, and you just have to pick a data point to move on, like the Fed, like oil prices? I mean, I think there's more and more of that in the markets now. Uh, it's more of a day-to-day movements are all about positioning, it seems, rather than, um, you know, longer-term trends. Uh, hopefully, when we get into earnings season, maybe, I mean, again, we're going to see day-to-day reactions to company earnings, but it would be nice to... Uh, to be able to focus more on the corporate side of things. The, the U.S. economy, the growth scare that we saw towards the end of last year and into the first quarter of this year has, you know, showing signs of abating. So that's a, that's a good thing there. Um, and I think the, you know, we should see a continued improvement, um, from an international perspective from these multinationals that have been getting killed over the last two years from their foreign exposure. They should continue, I think they should see some improvement, uh, going forward here. Well, I mean, I'm not sure you want to, focus on earnings if the numbers that the analysts are putting together are right. Uh, the, uh, the total S&P down 9.8%, industrials down 11.4%, financials down 14%. Energy, Tom, the forecast is for earnings to contract by 100%. Yeah, well, the, the, the dichotomy, the spread here is fine. What does Bespoke say about um, consumer stocks? I mean, they're madmen, nifty-fifty-like valuations, but do you put an asterisk by that and say, I can own them? Well, I mean, it depends on, I mean, what con- I mean, <clears throat> consumer stocks you're, you're focusing on. I mean, it's re- bricks and mortar retailers have just been getting, I mean. Yeah, that's- but that's not a consumer stock. That's a that's a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you see, okay, like an Amazon, which has a very high valuation there. From a pure fundamental perspective, uh, again, it's, it's hard to get in, uh, you know, it's hard to make a bullish case on a, a stock like Amazon. But, um, you know, you have uh, as a. Bill Miller said he makes the um, 
the comparison between, I think it was uh, John Malone and Liberty, the company never made a profit um, in several in the years that it was um, in the years, and then he sold it, uh, you know, ten years later for, you know, and investors made 99 times their money. So, I mean, again, there's different ways of measuring things, but you you just have to getting back to what you're saying, Mike. It's it's there's a lot of focus now on the day-to-day movements. What's this Fed governor saying? What's this Fed head saying? And um, it's more of an event-driven market than uh, longer-term fundamentals here. Well, I mean, you you like to at bespoke uh, look at to historical parallels. Uh, have you seen markets like this before that give you any guidance? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing, like we were talking about earlier, we saw one of the biggest rebound declines and then rebounds uh, in the first quarter of this year. And when you look back at history, I mean, when you've seen those kind of rebounds from a you know a decline of 10% to a rebound of 10% in the first quarter, the market has done well in the second quarter of the year and through the remainder of the year. But what's really interesting is when you dig a little deeper into it, uh, the last two times we've seen this were in 2003 and 2009. The market did great those years. I mean, we could only dream of having a repeat of that. Uh, but what was really interesting in 2003, the, the real uh, – down, ground zero for the market was the tech sector, and it was very, you know, there was a lot of weakness there, a lot of volatility, and then when we saw the rebound there, tech led us out of the way in the rebound in the first quarter and going forward in the second quarter is one of the best performing sectors. Fast forward to 2009, it was financials, which everyone was focusing on, and they led us out of the rebound in the first quarter. So it's going to lead this time? So the, this coming to this time, you're looking at energy. Energy had led us out of the uh, – you know, in the first quarter, it's done. It was one of the first areas to hit its low, and it's rallied back. And again, what we were saying before, expectations—you can't get much lower than uh, expectations for the energy sector. Uh, analysts, the revisions on the stocks are are more negative than any other sector in mm-hmm. the market. For, earnings forecasts are expected to be zero. So, especially in the larger cap area, people aren't expecting uh, a whole lot of good to come out of the energy sector earnings uh, this quarter. Paul Hickey with us with Bespoke as we slice and dice the equity uh, markets here. Bespoke with a lot of fancy, I mean fancy analysis. Does PE matter anymore? Is it a ratio that's of value to anybody? You know, I, I think, I mean, I, I, whenever you try and make those uh, statements that, does this matter anymore? That's when it really does matter. <laughs> uh, you know, when we're lo- so we're looking at valuations in the market here. Uh, we they're above average by historical uh, perspective. They're in the 80th percentile, which is high. Uh, but when you look back at history, you haven't necessarily seen always seen market declines following this high of a PE. What high PE ratios are? They're not a catalyst for a market decline. They're a fuel for a market decline. So you need a catalyst to spark things, and then the high valuations can exacerbate it because they leave less margin for error. Conversely, when you have low valuations, people the market doesn't just rally because valuations are cheap. It rallies because of something else, and then people say, hey, valuations are cheap, uh, and it gives you more of uh, more room to go to the upside. So we wouldn't necessarily focus on valuation as a reason not to uh, – a reason to get out of stocks, but it would be, it would be something that – Keep in the back of your mind because if when you, when we do see a catalyst, um, it could provide uh, more downside to the market here. But mm. they, valuations matter until they matter, and that's when it, you know doesn't provide much help. But that's mm. just the way it is. Uh, Jamie Dimon out with a note today um, suggesting that uh, he's got big concerns about uh, liquidity, although he can live with it. But he thinks the markets are not 
prepared for a Fed rate increase, for the number of Fed rate increases we may have to see. Uh, we've talked about how the markets swing wildly on what people say. Are, are we set up for a jump condition should the Fed actually surprise? I think if you, if you saw the Fed suddenly, I mean, the, as much as the Fed has surprised us to the dovish side recently and the markets have rallied, you could see, a, you know, equally see a, a situation where the Fed finds that, oh, wow, inflation is picking up here. We need to act on things. And that would have, you know, provide a downside catalyst for the market and things could, you know, increase volatility, which is one reason why they said they're also investing a lot more money in trading, because if you're going to have a more volatile environment, you want to uh, focus on trading. What was another really interesting thing about what he said in his letter was that, you know, the Great Recession is still in front and center of investors' minds. So whenever you see weakness, the first instinct is to run for the door because you don't want to get caught in a situation like you saw back in, in 08 again. Nobody wants to no. do that. And so that creates, you know, more downside pressure. That creates more of an incentive for uh, – to, to – Investors are worrying about the bigger big one, and it creates higher volatility. But in the long run, the big one usually doesn't happen. Paul Hickey, thank you so much. Greatly appreciated bespoke Thanks. investment uh, services. Um, this is a wonderful story, and it's a little story, and it by no means can, might can top what Tom Watson did at the British Open X number of years ago. That was truly once in a lifetime. First of all, Gary Player. Looks like he's 72, maybe 68. He's 80. He's 80. He hit a hole in one yesterday. Yes, and uh, at the know, Masters, I can I can honestly say that I get, that's great. It it not only makes you feel like you can do more, but I can also say, well, of course I haven't made a hole in one because I'm not 80 yet. Um, I, it's extraordinary. It's a, he's had all these start. years to get one. It's about time. <laughs> yeah, there were not. They had the hole in one contest yesterday. Nine people, yeah, made home, holes in one on the third hole at Augusta, which is just amazing. Well, it, it shows the skill Could of the happen, players. Could it happen today? I don't know. As the Masters kicks off, very cool. You don't want to. The you, Masters on Bloomberg Radio. Happens, yeah, you don't. You won't miss it. As John Tucker knows. A lot of times I open my mouth and somebody says, would you put the surveillance cork in his mouth? Once Alpha New Jersey said golf on radio. And I said, you're kidding me. That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard of. And then I heard it and it was fabulous. And we do that. It's very exciting. It's it's very cool. We'll be listening. You and I are going to come in tomorrow. I'll be talking like this. Yes, we're talking like the third hole. Nationwide, Boston, Washington, San Francisco, New York. On Sirius XM, the Masters Golf Tournament, 4.15 this afternoon. This is Bloomberg Surveillance, a hole-in-one.